Good morning. Christian said that I did not need an introduction because most of you would know me. If you don't, I am Joel. I am the pastor of the Baptist Church over in Lyons. Um, I have spoken here before. I've done some adjunct teaching. And if you don't know me, you probably do know my wife. My wife, Kendra. Raise your hand, Kendra. Got to give a shout out to my wife. She works over in the registrar's office. And if you have issues with your schedule or registration or majors, you probably have seen her at some point. But before I kind of get into the talk, let me pray for you and then we'll go. Let's pray. Father, oh, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for allowing us to live in a nation where we can have a college that has chapel on campus a couple of times a week. Uh, where they have classes that teach about your word. And uh, I just pray for these students as they are still kind of getting new and and, kind of oriented to the semester. And uh, just be with this talk. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do I have any lovebirds in the house? Oh, we got some. (laughs) If you are sitting next to... Your boyfriend, girlfriend, or even your spouse, would you stand up? Oh. What? Stay, stay, remain standing. I'm not done. I'm letting the crowd, you know, finish the, the applause. All right. For all you single people, okay, so couples, couples, you know, kind of close your ears for a second. All you single people. Have you ever looked at a couple and thought, how did he get her? (laughs) Or, Or maybe, maybe you're a girl and you go, why is he with her? You can sit down now, couples. Thank you for playing along. Now, this topic was so funny because it came up in our house within the last year, and it was had to do with one of the TV shows we were watching. And in our living room, my wife and I both have our own personalized brown recliners. And we were sitting in the recliners, and we were watching this show. And I go, hey, do you think they ever say that about us? You know, that they, we maybe not go together? She smiled, and she goes, well, they might about you. True that, true that. I'll be the first to admit that I married up. Um, but it's funny, whenever we think about that, sometimes we're kidding. Sometimes we are being completely honest. And, and one thing I think we forget is when we make comments like that, we are actually being judgmental. We may not think about it, but we're really being judgmental. Mental, And that's an attitude that we really see across the board. If you're in sports, you almost have to be judgmental. This idea of comparing yourselves to others. You know why? Because you want to play. You want to excel. You want to make it on the court or on the field. And then sometimes whenever you don't, you get angry. You get a little upset. And what you're doing is, you know what? I should be the one playing. Here's why. I'm better than the other person that's being judgmental. If you're a Christian, you do this too. You go to church and you look at the other people who are sitting around you or next to you and you go, hmm, I didn't know they'd go to church. Or you might say, 
I read my Bible more than they do. I pray more than they do. And, and we get caught in kind of this judgmental trap, this comparison trap, if you will. And I was doing a little research, and I was looking at the, 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 the psychologist and the psychiatrist and all that. Why do we really judge people? And I like to call, anytime I look at what scholars think, I call the scholars smart fillers. Kind of makes me feel better about myself when I say that. So, so the smart fillers of our mind say there's really three major reasons that we judge other people, especially when it's in regards to their actions and the things that they do. The first one is that we actually do it too. We just don't know it. So we look at somebody and they're doing something, go, huh, they shouldn't be doing that. Little did we know, we probably do it. We just don't know it. That's like one reason we judge other people. Another reason we judge other people is because we envy what they have. We envy what they have. We wish that we had it. So, so to kind of make ourselves feel better about ourselves, which is the third reason, we kind of judge them. We, we might say something bad about them. And the bad part is when we judge other people, it has a negative effect on our lives. Sometimes it will cause us to be more stressed. It will cause us to have higher levels of anxiety. It will, can turn to bitterness. Because if we look at everybody else around us and we might pass judgment, cast stones, throw rocks, whatever you want to call it. Whenever we do it, we, 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 we want to feel better about ourselves. And we might for a moment, we might in a minute, we might be in a time, but over the long haul, it's going to turn to bitterness. Can even turn, according to the smart fellers, into depression. Depression. So in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul gives us a judgmental reminder. Something that if we just grasp and remind ourselves of, when we get in those moments of being and having a judgmental attitude, it will actually help ourselves out. And the cool thing about it, it's something that you already know. It's probably a phrase or an idea you have said growing up. The thing is, you didn't know it was in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, or if you just want to look on the screen, we're going to look at Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. But to kind of set the context just a little bit of the book of Romans, really to set the context of the entire Bible, there's really, really two major people groups in the Bible. And they didn't like each other. People group number one was the Jewish person. A Jewish person. Now, to help me kind of let you see a Jewish person, I have a helper. This is JP, Jewish person. Everybody say, hi, JP. So this is JP. Now, I have another person over here going to help me represent the other major people group. Now, they are Gentiles. Gentiles, and as you read the scriptures, as you read the Bible, you're either a Jew by ethnicity or you are a Gentile. Anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. And here's my helper. This is Gigi, Gentile guy. Everybody say, hi, Gigi. Hi, Gigi. And, and here's the deal. As you go through the scriptures, there's a tension between these two people groups, the, Jew, the Jews 
really didn't like the Gentiles. And there's sometimes the Gentiles didn't like the Jews. The Jews were even brought up to not hang out with the Gentiles. Because if they did, they'd get Gentile cooties. So the, the, the teachers, the rabbis, don't hang out with the Gentiles. They would call them, this is kind of bad, they would call them even Gentile dogs. And they go, Gentile dog, ha ha. And then sometimes they would look at them, stupid. But every now and again, Gentiles would want to be connected with the Jews. And the reason they would want to be connected with the Jews is because of the Jewish God, Yahweh. Our God, the same one we worship today. He is there. But the Jews wanted to make it real hard, real hard for the Gentiles to get into their club to become Jewish. So they created a process. Okay. So when a Gentile, when Gigi would want to join JP's group, they'd have to do a few things. One of the first things they'd have to do is go out and sacrifice a lamb for their sins, just like the Jewish people were brought up to do. So that was kind of like step one. Okay, go sacrifice a lamb. Then, just to prove, just to prove that you were really committed You had to memorize some of the Jewish Bible, some of the Mosaic Law, some of the book of Deuteronomy. So you would have to remember, this is like the Ten Commandments. That's what we think of a lot of times when we think of the Mosaic Law. So they'd have to memorize some stuff. So it's like, Gigi, getting it? Yep. Okay. Then after they would sacrifice their lamb, okay, and then they would memorize their scriptures, okay, then they would kind of go out and get baptized. They would get baptized. A showing of connection to everything that the Jewish nation stood for. Now, the last part, part number four. The biggest, most difficult thing they had to do to go from a GG to a JP. Okay, to become Jewish. They had... To have plastic surgery. It's called circumcision. And at some point, this would be where the GGs would kind of back out. They ain't no way we're doing that. That's just silly. But it was a requirement. And then if they decided we're not going to do it, they would kind of make fun of them. Ha, 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 you Gentile dog. Or they would just call them uncircumcised that was like a bad word in the old testament uncircumcised new testament bad word uncircumcised now i grew up and some of you this probably kind of passed most of your time but when i was growing up especially like middle school and high school we had your mama so fat jokes your mama so fat you fill in the blank and it would be a put down to whoever we're talking to well in bible days they didn't have your mama so fat jokes they had your daddy so uncircumcised jokes. <laughs> I tried to come up with a few, 
And I did, but there's not a one of them I came up with that was clean enough to stay in Sterling College Chapel. So I, I want to come back one day. But they would go, ha-ha, <laughs> uncircumcised. But Paul, as he's writing his letter you know, to, to the Romans, he's just said some stuff that the JPs, the Jewish people, would say, score! So let's kind of go back and just kind of highlight a few things that Paul has said really about the Gentiles as we go into chapter 2. He has said pretty much there's no excuse for you not going knowing who God is. And because you've kind of rejected God, here's what God's doing. This is going all the way back to verse 24. He says, therefore, God, has get, God gave them over to their sinful desires. He gave them over to their sinful desires. Then, verse 26, he gave them over to their shameful lusts. Gave them over to their shameful lusts. means that he's not going to help them out anymore. Uh, he's going to kind of let them you know, uh, suffer the consequences of their choices. Then, verse 28, he, goes, he gave them over to their depraved mind. And then, because of all this, verse 32, they deserve death. So if you're a Jewish person and you're reading Romans chapter 1, that, that second half, after you read it, you're going, Score! I told you you were bad! Ha ha! And Paul goes, okay, I've made my point to the Gigi's. Now he kind of comes back. And in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, okay, he is looking at the Jewish people. And here's what he's going to tell them. Here's the principle, the lesson that you grew up knowing. You just didn't know it was in the Bible. Here's the principle that when you're thinking about judging somebody, if you remind yourself of this, it will help you from going through anxiety, getting uh, stressed, even going through depression. Here's the principle. Are you ready? It takes one... To know one. It takes one to know one. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I'll read all four and then I'll kind of come back and break it down for you. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, You therefore, and I'm reading the 84 edition of the NIV. I think Mr. Rashawn put the 2011. Why they have two different ones, I don't know. Now therefore... Have no excuse, you know better, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Takes one to know one. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on the truth. Verse 3, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, takes one to know one, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Verse 4, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? So, He kind of takes JP, says, JP, you and I need to have a talk. It's kind of like a dad sitting down with his kids. 
goes, okay. JP, you are saying all this bad stuff about Gigi. And you want him? I know, I know you want him to go to hell. That's just that's your attitude. And you're pointing fingers and, and you're saying he's not good enough, but I got some news for you. It takes one to know one. So when you point fingers at him, when you judge him, when you say he's not good enough, the thing is, this is kind of part, part one of this takes one to know thing, you do the same things. You do the same things. Your attitude is the same way. So you may not go out and worship a different God. You might. You, you may not, you know, uh, follow you know, a lot of the sexual stuff that goes on with some of the religions. But the core attitude is the same. Deep down in your mind, deep down in your heart, deep down in your soul, you do the same things. And whenever we go out and we look at these other people and and we want to cast a stone or we want to pass judgment, we have to pause and say, you know what? I wonder if I, okay, I wonder if I have ever done something similar to that. And it may not be the specific action, but you have to look at the motive. You have to look at what the heart says. And you go, maybe I have. Maybe it takes one to know one because we do the same things. I have an eight-year-old daughter. And thinking about the idea of her dating scares me to death. And she's eight, and honestly, she's probably going to be a knockout. I was like, ah. It's a good thing, I know, as a dad. It's like, ah. It's kind of a little frustrating. But my wife, whenever she would teach middle and high schoolers, and they would kind of get ready to go into the dating process, she would teach them two questions. These are two questions you have to ask before you even date somebody, or you ask the person who wants to date you. Question number one, are you a Christian? It's a good question. Question number two, where do you go to church? Good questions. Now, with my daughter, Kennedy is her name. I've added a third question. Question number three, and we have been prepping her with this since she was four. Okay, so I've got four years on this. You can even ask her, what does someone have to do before you can have a boyfriend? Question number four, have you asked my daddy? Because here's what I want to do. When a young man wants to take my daughter on a date, I want to sit down. Maybe I'll be cleaning my gun. (laughs) That was funny. Somebody should write a song about that. (laughs) You country singers got that. (laughs) And and I want to have a conversation about his intentions and the things he will do with my daughter. Because here's the idea. I've been a little boy. I've been a teenage boy. I've been a male college student. I know what goes through their head. It takes one. To no one. And Paul goes, look, you can't point fingers at all the stuff he's doing because, JP, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same 
thing. And then he goes on. It's not just that you're doing the same thing. God has the same basis for judgment. God is not saying, you're not just doing the same things, but God has the same basis for judgment. Look at verse 2. It says, Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things, okay, and he's talking about both of them, you're doing the same thing, is based on truth. It's based on truth. What is this truth? Well, part of it's going to be the relationship that God says you have to have in the Bible. Part of it's going to be his, what we would call maybe his providential will, all the promises of God, everything he says he's going to do, regardless of whether you like it or not, regardless of what your opinion is. Because a lot of times when we judge other people and we get in this judgmental attitude, it's based on our opinion. And sometimes your opinion doesn't matter. Sorry, there's nobody ever told you that before. But he goes, look, you know, this, this providential will of God, the moral and ethical will. This is the truth, what he has just described and delivered and revealed in his word. And then it's also Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and whenever it comes time for judgment, you're going to be based, you're going to be judged on the basis of God's truth. You know, for me, in terms of like heaven and hell, this has to do with your relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus, this idea of the gospel. And and here's what the gospel is, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, like the Bible said he was going to do. He was buried. Why was he was buried? To prove that he was dead. He rose on the third day, like the Bible said he was going to do. He was seen. Why was he seen? To prove that he was alive. He ascended to heaven and he sat down in one day. He's coming back. And you, if you have faith in that, if you trust in that, if you ask forgiveness of your sins based on the shed blood of Jesus, you get to go to heaven when you die. But if you reject that gospel, the judgment is going to mean you don't go to heaven. You go to that other place. And we don't want to go to that other place. And Paul goes, look, JP, you and Gigi, you do the same things. And God judges you by the same basis of, tr- of, of judgment. The same basis. And then he goes, look, the judgment is even going to be the same. Verse 3. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, you do, do you think you will escape God's judgment? And Paul's answer to that is, you shouldn't! Because God is a just God. He's a God of peace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that bases this whole thing on how you respond to his gospel. So don't fool yourself, JP. The same judgment that awaits him awaits you if you don't accept Jesus or if you don't go by and abide by the truth. And then verse 4. He goes, not only is it the, the same things, the same basis, the same judgment, you have the same chance. You have the same chance. Both Jew and Gentile, both JP and Gigi, have the same chance for repentance, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's good kindness leads you towards repentance? You know, JP, Everything that God has given you. And and for the Jewish nation, you can think of land, seed, and blessing, all that good stuff. He's given you all that. And the reason he blesses you 
is to move you towards repentance and a relationship returning back to God. And that same chance is there for Gigi too. It doesn't really matter where you come from or what color you are. He's red. Because you both have the same chance. And instead, JP, instead of comparing yourself to Gigi, you should be comparing yourself to God. Instead of comparing yourself to Gigi, you should be comparing yourself to Jesus. That's the standard that we live by. That's who we want to emulate. That's the person we want to follow. And when we follow Jesus, our relationship with God will get stronger. So before you start pointing fingers or calling him names, Gentile dog, uncircumcised, remember that it takes one to know one. You do the same things. The basis for judgment is the same. It's the same judgment. And you have the same chance to follow Jesus. So next time you're in that kind of comparison trap, next time you're caught off guard or you look at somebody and you go, Ugh, I would never do that. Maybe you would if the situations were the same. Because Paul says, it takes one to know one. There's a lot of other verses in here, but let's highlight just a couple more. There's actually probably two more good judgmental reminders. In verse 11, Paul writes, For God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. So the point is, God doesn't play favorites. God displays favor. God doesn't play favorites. He does displays favor. He wants to show you his grace and his mercy after you follow Jesus. Verse 16 says, This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets. Your secret life, your secret thoughts, the things you do when nobody's looking, the thoughts you have that you don't want nobody else to know through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. The point, your secret life won't be secret forever. Your secret life will not be secret forever. When we all get to heaven, it's all going to come out. Or, if you don't make it to heaven, it's because you didn't respond to the chance that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, that he was seen, that he ascended to heaven and he sat down. One day he's coming back and he gave you the chance to follow him and you didn't. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the letter of Romans. And as we go through this in the chapel, um, we talk about the road of life. One part of the road of life is, is getting into these relationships and even maybe a comparison trap and having the uh, attitude of being judgmental. And we just pray that you bring this reminder back to us whenever we want to point fingers. And instead of pointing fingers, we just say, you know what? takes one to know one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.